Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, welcome uh, to Objection to the Rule, live from Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, we're here, it's Sunday, and we've got some news and uh, interviews to share with you. Um, so, uh, I'm Violet, your host here in the studio with my co-host, Raymond. How you doing, Raymond? Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, and we should have uh, Koichi, our uh, interview guest, here on the phone line. Koichi, are you there? Hey, I'm here. Great. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so, we've got an interesting lineup for you today. First, we're going to talk to Koichi about... Um, what it's like to be a parent in New York City and how the cities are and are not set up to support working parents, um, which is a topic we haven't talked about as much on the show, but it's definitely uh, prominent on everyone's minds if they have children or if they're planning families in the city. Um, but uh, before we get started on that, uh, how has everybody's weekend been? How you guys doing? I've been okay. I had a quite quite a terrifying last maybe 18 hours. I lost my new iPhone in a cab, in a yellow cab. So it's not a, not the easy way out like with Uber right. where you can just contact them and they so. contact the driver or, or like, the, you know, you can just text the driver. So it was in a, I went through the old school process of tracking. Luckily, I'd paid with the credit card, so right. they can track those down. But man, it was a long that and terrible. like a nightmare. Yeah, it was. It was quite the nightmare. <laughs> and I didn't get it back until today. I was able to finally link up with the driver wow. this morning. But you did get it back, which is kind of a miracle in itself. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, and uh, Koichi, how are you doing? How's your weekend been? I'm, I'm doing good. I, I work weekends, so... Uh, I don't, uh, I don't have, it's not like I have anything interesting to tell you, um, but uh, it's, been, it's been good. Cool, cool. Well, uh, in the interest of time, let's get started. Uh, let's hear a little bit from you, Koichi, about uh, your story. First off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I moved to Brooklyn uh, in... Uh, in March of 2017, so I've been here two years, and I became a parent in uh, August of 2017, so I have a 16-month-old baby, and um, I'm originally from a very cute baby, yes, and I have, um, my wife is from Tunisia, and uh, I am from California, and uh, right now, I work at LinkedIn um, as kind of a weekend content editor, and uh, my wife is a social worker at the uh, Arab American Family Support Center. It's based here in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've visited there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've been there with, uh, I used to work with a, a refugee uh, shelter in Harlem, and uh, there was one of the individuals was coming from uh, Syria seeking asylum and we did uh we took him there and we're able to get him a, a lot of help getting uh every because there's just so much so much involved in um in dealing with the you know, asylum seeking and the paperwork that is involved and it's it's can be quite a feat and so that's a that's a great organization i've i've, I've spent some time working with them that's cool I, I i think that's wonderful that you know about them um you know my wife comes home and she doesn't uh, tell me anything confidential, but she tells me sort of, you know, what kind of things she does to help people. And 
it's an amazing organization, and if you care about, if listeners care about refugees and immigrants and are upset about the Muslim ban and the Supreme Court upholding yeah. it, um, you know, there's an organization here in Brooklyn that, uh, you know, is a great one to give money to because uh, what I hear from my wife is that they, they really are helping people and they really do great work. Yeah, absolutely. Can you say the name again of the organization? It's called um, the Arab American uh, Family uh, Support Center. Right. Very nice. And uh, Koichi, you mentioned you have a young son, uh, and I, that's your first child. So you're you're still relatively new to the uh, parenting game in New York. What were some things that uh, surprised you, and what's been your experience so far uh, navigating parenting in New York City? So, you know, the thing that I really wanted to talk to you guys about is, is just, you know, I wanted to just raise awareness on, on how expensive it's gotten, um, you know, to be a parent in New York City. So, um, you know, to have an apartment uh, large enough to have a kid to walk around, uh, it's a challenge finding one. Um, there's, you know, I know that there, there's affordable housing lotteries for people who, who, you know, meet the income thresholds, but you have to be like, you have to have like a lower uh, income than um, the average median income usually yeah, it's- for those, and you have to win a lottery. So it's like two things. You have to be like, you have to be unfortunate and super lucky, and I don't know, you know, how many people get there, but that's... It's not, you know, a recipe for, uh, it, 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 that's not a policy solution right. uh, for, 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 you know, a normal New Yorker to be able to afford to live here. Um, and then, you know, so number one, I have to find a place with, that's big enough for a kid. And so I live out in Cooney Island, um, which is, uh, you know, it's it's um, it's not that far out, but it you know it's all the way on the southern. Yeah, it's tip a decent track. Yeah, it's yeah, it's way a track to get to, to get to Manhattan, certainly. Um, whereas the people in North Brooklyn, you know, it's three stops, and 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 then you're in Manhattan. Um, but you just pay too much to live there for an apartment big enough to have a kid. So that's why I'm in Cooney Island. And then the other cost is uh, daycare. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's important to have two parents working uh, for, for uh, any family. Uh, we, we were lucky that I was making enough um, so that, uh, you know, the first year um, uh, my wife didn't work, but now she's working, and so now we need daycare. And daycare is a whole other cost. Um, we pay more than half of what our rent is. Our rent is very high um, for daycare. So it's uh, and we just started. We just started. He, the the thing about daycare is that there's long waiting lists for daycares, and that not all daycares are located close to your house. There's a, there's only one that's located close to our house, and uh, our son was on the waiting list for four months. And then when they called and said, you know, we have a space available, you know, we have to take it or else we yeah. go on the back of the waiting list. So yeah. whether we're ready for it or not, uh, you know, we have to take it. 
And so, uh, you know, that's very uh, difficult. Right. For sure. And it's interesting to me because, you know, these are all serious sort of stumbling blocks just for um, regular services. Um, but you, you're not an unusual family. You know, if anything, you have more um, more things in your going in your favor than some others might um, know. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. and that's the, that's the thing that, that, that really concerns me is that, you know, we're two working parents. We're making, you know, uh, you know, our household income is, you know, uh, above the uh, median income uh, for a household of two. And so, you know, we're very lucky. We, we you know, I consider us kind of a middle class. But at the same time, there's so many strains and expenses that if I was anywhere lower, uh, it would be very difficult for me. Yeah. Um, so it's it's like in, and and it's like there's there's people who think that people who need to use social services or need to use the city or need to use help are somehow takers. But actually, that's not true. You know, the real takers are the people who are charging these high rents and charging these high daycares yeah. uh, from average, uh, you know, working people and, and like, making it so hard to afford to live here. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's, uh, that's a, a big concern of mine here. Right. And do you think, do you think you, your situation, your employment, et cetera, um, helps with this mix of challenges in New York, or do you think it's sort of adding to them? My employment? Yeah, your job, your wife's job, um, where you choose to live, et cetera. Well, you know, we, we, I mean, I carefully, you know, pick my job, and my wife carefully picked her job, and it's, and we picked the the place where we live um, very carefully. Right. Um, it doesn't, you know, our choices were the best choices for what we have. Right. Um, but um, there was there was something I wanted to also talk about, which is where the city delivers uh, 3K services. Because, um, and I, I sent you this um, on a map, uh, you have to pay for daycare up until uh, your kid is three years old in some places. And up until your kid is four years old in other places, hmm. you can't get into uh, 3K. The city's implementing a universal 3K program, but it's nowhere close to universal. Um, anybody can apply for 3K, but there's only certain districts that are getting uh, universal 3K now. And um, they're nowhere close to Cooney Island. So um, I, I sent you um, a map of of where they are, and basically uh, there's three, so when, you know, this is for the future, my son is not even one and a half yet, but um, when he turns three, this it's almost impossible for us to go and take him to a free city-administered 3K, right, because yeah. they're in Bushwick and in off in Oceans, uh, they're, they're like East New York, and but they're in places that are, are kind of off the beaten path for someone in Cooney Island. They're not, um, you know, conveniently located by subways from Cooney Island to get to them. And, you know, why would you want to go so far out to Bushwick? 
if you live in Cooney Island for your kid to get uh, right. 3K. And how can it, um, you, if you're, exactly. you know, if you've got a full schedule, how can you get your kid there anyway? You really can't. Right. Yeah, you really can't. Brooklyn is Brooklyn. Right. You know, and not seeing it is different. It's a massive uh, uh, piece of space. Koichi, uh, I'm also curious, you know, I, I know you've had experience living in other cities and even other countries. Do you think this is sort of a situation unique to New York? Do you think New York is especially hard? Well, okay, so New York, definitely in terms of rent, you know, the housing crisis here in New York is, is just outrageous. So, you, you, you know, San Fran- I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area before, but it's like my parents bought a house there 25 years ago. So the housing crisis wasn't as pronounced when they bought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't as affected, you know, growing up there. Because, um, you know, the economy was totally different in the early 90s in the San Francisco Bay Area than it is now. Um, So now, you know, San Francisco and New York really have, um, you know, a huge housing problem. It's it's definitely a matter of supply and demand um, for housing. So that drives up the prices here and makes it very difficult um, for ordinary families. Yeah, I mean, um, you're talking about your income and and your yours and your wife's dual income, and it's a great. It's a. You, it seems like it should be a really comfortable and secure right. setup. It should be enough. And yet, you find yourself in a place where, if anything goes wrong, any kind of medical emergency, God forbid, or you know, some kind of extra expense that you weren't planning, and these things happen in regular people's lives right. all the time. If one thing happens, it can totally screw you. You know. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so, you know, like I said, anybody lower, lower than me would have a really, really hard time if there was one of those life events that screwed them. Yeah. So, you know, people are really, I, I don't know how people do it, but, you know, it really feels like you could be close. I'm not living on the edge, but, like, there are people who could be, very, most people in New York who want to survive here, uh, you know, if they haven't been here a long time in a rent-stabilized apartment or something like that, um, you know, with the costs, if you you move here recently, the costs are just so high that um, you you really do feel like you could be living on the edge. Yeah, certainly. Um, And, uh, Kuichi, I wonder if there are, uh, if you have any thoughts, you know, you've, you've lived this situation for uh, a little over a year now. Um, what are some ways the city could lessen the burdens on young parents? What, what, what should the city be doing that it's sort of not right now? Well, I mean, you know, I, I really uh, want to just make a pitch for more districts with, um, with Universal 3K. And, you know, expanding, so the, also the, the HRA is another, you know, um, the, the HRA and the services that they provide for daycare vouchers, that's a whole nother political issue. And um, they don't, you don't qualify for, um, for uh, daycare vouchers unless you qualify for all public assistance. And to qualify for public assistance, you have to be very, very poor. Right. You have to have very, very low income. Um, so 
you know, the city can do two things. They, they could raise uh, the income requirements for getting daycare vouchers, just daycare, so that if you have a new baby and you want, uh, you know, you want both parents working because this is, that you know, people come to New York to get jobs here. They don't come here to get to for the weather because the weather is terrible. Yeah. They come, you know, people for come here for yeah. jobs. So you want both parents working. So you know what they can do is they could they could expand the number of of school uh, school districts here in Brooklyn who offer universal three K. They could also raise raise the limits for uh, receiving uh, daycare vouchers and and the types of uh, assistance that they provide mm-hmm. people um, to, to qualify for daycare vouchers because it, it makes no sense, uh, you know, what they're charging. And, and, and by telling people who can't afford, you know, the very, very high cost of daycare, or maybe even if you can, telling people that, well, you can afford it, so, you know, you should be spending this money on this. I'm actually, you know, on an annualized basis, I'm spending more money on daycare than I spent on my one year of daycare is more expensive than what I spent for four years of an undergraduate degree. Oh, you're kidding. At, a, at, a, at UC Santa Cruz, at a state school. But I went back, you know, I graduated in 2006, I'm a little older, so now California's gotten really expensive, and you know, um, an undergraduate degree is much more. But uh, for me, my I borrowed and paid off um, um, less than what I pay on an annualized basis for uh, daycare for, for my baby. That's incredible. Yeah, and so and so, you know, it's like if I save now. If I were to save the money that I spend on daycare as a middle class person, then I, you know, I could send my kid and I just invested it and put it in a Vanguard fund or something like mm-hmm. that and just left it there for 18 years. My kid could go to a really good college <laughs> because something like that compounding over, you know, uh, 18 years, it, it would give, a, you know, a great return. Right. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, why am I spending all this money up front just to, like, live in such an expensive city? It's yeah, just, Does it, is, it, it, is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah, down to. yeah. I'm interested yeah. to see what the mayor does. We've, we've seen a lot of really progressive things happening here, yeah. you know, and so it'd be, I, it would be cool to see some movement on the frontier with families, um, working families. And uh, with, you know, especially with young children and um, what's going on with that, you know, we see the, the universal health care that the, they're pushing right, through the and everything. Health, yeah, Bill. Um, the same thing with glasses. I think that kids are young kids, oh, um, free, that, yeah. free glasses right. for, I think it's under five. Right. Possibly. Should be a no-brainer about child yeah. care in the city as well. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, we yeah, get plugged in with the, with the city council and, and start t- talking to our representatives. Right. Uh, anyone who's right. listening, if you're in New York, start calling. We get this ball moving. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. The, the, the new thing is that, you know, he added two new school districts um, to, that are offering the universal 3K for the 2019-2020 year. Yeah. Um, but he only added two. 
you know, the, the city needs to be adding these districts much quicker. Right. And it, it still, you know, to me, it boggles my mind as to why the districts are not central places um, next to transportation, because the people who live in the districts have priority enrollment to get into mm-hmm. the 3K, but anybody can apply. So you would want districts that are sent in central transportation areas so that anybody who applies outside of those districts could easily get to them and send their kids to, to uh, you know, 3K there. But, but they, they haven't even done that. Mm-hmm. They're more peripheral uh, school districts that, that are offering the service. And so that's something that I hope City Hall thinks about. Right. Well, Koichi, this is such a good window into something that we haven't discussed as much, but it's so important. So we really appreciate you taking out the time uh, from your workday on Sunday to speak with us. Is there anything else you want to mention or uh, or tell listeners um, what's going on? Uh, You know, just continue supporting uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. (laughs) You know, I love what you're doing. Uh, Keep up the good work and uh, keep listening. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And um, how can people follow you? Do you have uh, social media uh, that you want to yeah, share? Yeah. So I'm at White Willow 64 on Twitter. So uh, I always like more Twitter followers. So. All right. At White Willow uh, 64. And we can uh, post that when we post the show. Great. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah. My, my name is, is Koichi Shirayanagi. And nobody over the phone can ever. Uh, <laughs> Right out, Shirayanagi, because because it's a long Japanese last uh-huh, name. Yeah. But it means White Willow in oh. Japanese, and everybody knows how to spell White Willow. So okay. that's where that comes from. Cool. Mm, All right, well, have a good rest of your day, and uh, we hope to speak to you again on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Uh Thank you very much for listening to that uh, interview, and thanks to Koichi for sharing with us. We're going to have a quick music break, and then we'll go right into uh, national news uh, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Keep listening. Uh, chilling, laying in the cut, though. Easy, trying to see what up, though. Brooklyn. Home of the cut though, notorious. Y'all know how the rest go sleeping. One eye open, too smart cause I'm always scoping. Watching, seeing how these lanes look lazy. This how you get your frame to money. I got money. Money. I got money. Talking, always talking. That's your problem, you always talking. Rockstar. Mix with a ghetto chick. Try me. I wish I wish you would. Who gon' hold us? Uh. Not the cemetery or the penitentiary. Damn, my contemporaries. I'm too legendary. It's so money. I got money. Money. I got money. I'm money. I got money. Shine like Russell, they say, glad you made it happen over 
right, show you right. I, I, I'm in the crib, trying to find the BPM, rehearsing for the next show in my kitchen. Fresh off for tour, but can't tell you where I've been. Maybe after 20 years, I'll start the ticket in. Right now, I'm chasing in, in Dover Street again. I'm introverted, I'm not open to new friends. But if you're real cute, then I have to think again. Shop the wrong way so you can stay off trend and look like money. Money by Lee Kelly 47. That was um, awesome. <laughs> got some good, uh, I think it's really the RFB vibe, you know? Yeah. Uh, either you got money or you sing about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a, I mean, and what's the difference? What's the real difference? Right, right. right. Yeah, we're all, we're all here to have fun. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, Raymond, you got some uh, serious and uh, surprising national news for us this week. I mean, it's just all over the place. You try to nail down what's happening nationally and you can't even keep up at this point it's been a constant flow of just trying to shock everyone as much as possible with this administration so we're in our 23rd day of the government partial government shutdown with 800 federal employees either on furlough or not or not working at all but none of them receiving paychecks including the tsa uh the coast guard um and so we're we're moving into now we're this is a historic shutdown yeah. now with with the historic longest thing. ever um, shutdown in the history of the United States uh, with no end in sight. Um, we all know that it's coming down between the wall, funding for the wall and or not. Um, the government, the President Trump refuses to sign any spending bills whatsoever that don't include money for the wall. What makes this really abnormal? Um, is that he does have bills that he do, he's not when he signs these continuing resolutions or the bills that will fund the government at least until they figure out what to do with the wall. Uh, when he signs that, he's not saying that's not some kind of agreement that it's like okay, this is the this is the budget and it doesn't include funding for the wall. It is this is this part of the budget right. we need so that the government can continue to function and we'll figure out the wall. As we move on down the road. Now, because of that, um, it came out today in USA Today that the uh, American people are largely blaming Donald Trump for the shutdown. And he's owning it, mm-hmm. too. 59% blaming Donald Trump for the shutdown. I think it's 20, no, 53% that are blaming mm-hmm. Donald Trump for the shutdown, 29% blaming the Democrats. It's a large margin. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. They're saying that uh, Trump wants to declare an, a state of national a national emergency right. um, to to get the funding for the wall, which would mean diverting funds from uh, you know funds that were supposed to be going to Texas and to Florida right. and to California. Actual national disasters. 
which I don't see him doing because we've got Rubio and Ted Cruz in these states who are going to say, no, you're not taking, like, we, we've got to figure out a different solution. That's why the GOP is also just all up in arms about this and trying to figure out what to do. While Mitch McConnell, the Speaker of the or the, the, the Senate Majority Leader yes. in the Senate, he uh, just sits on his hands. Everyone's asking for some kind of movement and Mitch McConnell refuses. He's sticking with what Trump said, and he refuses to put anything to a vote that doesn't include money for the wall. Right. Right. It's it's hard. You know, even this just feels like such a collapse of our system. You know, it, it feels in some ways that uh, 2016 election and everything that we saw after that was leading in some ways up to this. Just government not functioning, you know, and no end in sight. And we're all at the mercy uh, of one man, you know. Yeah. It's not simply Trump because uh, uh, I believe the Senate could force through a bill Absolutely. and overrule his veto. And have the votes overrule the veto. That's right. But, it, you know, there's a system behind him and it's working behind him and Americans are suffering because of that. Um, and really he's in the position to where, I mean, I think part of it is because Mitch McConnell knows that just by – being the president of the United States, the seat alone, the, the office alone, gives so much power to an individual. Um, and the big mistake was allowing it to get to the point where Donald Trump was in the office of the presidency. Right. Because there's a lot less that you can do. Although Congress is a separate power and just as powerful as the president's office, it's governed by hundreds of people right. instead of a person. Um, and so it's a it's dangerous and and really unprecedented waters to tread, uh, if that's even an expression. But it feels like it. It just yeah. feels like we're getting to this place, and now more and more news is coming out. We find out that the FBI opened up an investigation on Donald Trump after he fired Comey and then let it go, essentially because they didn't know how to approach it, because it's the president of the United States, and they're essentially saying, we think he's an agent of Russia. Which, by the way, when he was asked yesterday by a friendly journalist— you're not an agent of Russia, right? He couldn't even give a yes or no answer. He just said, that is that's such an offensive question right. um, without giving an answer. And more and more, like New York Times and Washington Post have been putting out articles the last few days about just what's coming out about Donald Trump. And this is that barrage of just, we can't even catch a breath before we get another article that says that Donald Trump was you know, passing handwritten notes that nobody else was supposed to see. And he instructed his... Uh, his translator when they were in um, Helsinki, was it, when they had the right. meeting with, with Putin, that that he wasn't to share any of the information that was translated on the note from Putin to Donald Trump. Literally, no one in the White House except for Donald Trump and that translator knew what was on that paper. Right. And this is just all, it's all questionable, it's all shady, and we're finding it out just more and more and more and more. The Mueller investigation is supposed to be wrapping up soon. It's going to be interesting because we've gotten little windows of what's going on in there now from not properly redacting something or uh, it's not a big leak system. So actually that came out of the Manafort side. Right. Mueller's team doesn't leak anything, but um, which is again, even more interesting. What's going on? What are we going to find out? We already know that it's likely going to be a lot and there's no way to even guess. Right. And you know, I think that's been a pattern for a little while there's something serious going on with Donald Trump that we should be paying attention to, but there's this massive sideshow. You know, yeah. he put he introduces a bill that he cannot legally pass, but that shocks and you know uh, 
fixates Americans on that. Yeah. Now we've got the shutdown, which few of us have any control over aside from speaking to our representatives, which I have done and plan to keep doing. Yeah. But uh, it, it distracts us from these investigations, which are so important. And the other half of this is it has real impact. It's a real distraction for Americans. You know, um, uh, you know the, the FDA is uh, inspecting less food. Uh, we've seen these articles now about foods to avoid. Uh, some people are recommending avoiding fresh uh, produce until yeah. um, anything uncooked. If you can cook it yourself and get it to above, I believe, 160, 165 degrees uh, you get to kill off the bacteria. The bacteria but don't but, count on the government right, to do right. this. Right, you can't count on the government. The over, already over, you know, overdrawn FDA. Uh, now the employees are furloughed. Uh, the um, some of the inspectors aren't showing up to work, mm-hmm. and the other inspectors are distracted by. Uh, you know, one article said by not knowing if they're going to be able to pay for their kids' dental care. Yeah, you know? they so don't that, have the paycheck coming in. We, right. Coast Guard, uh, members of the Coast Guard, right. no paycheck coming in. These are individuals, by the way, people, when we talk about the Coast Guard, this isn't this isn't something simple. I know a lot of people like to underplay the importance um, and the and just the how, how serious the, they, they make an oath, though, to the Constitution. It's the same as any other military branch. Their job is very different, and it's very much so... Um, a, a defense mechanism guarding the U.S. and they don't deploy, but they do. They do make an oath and they commit to a, a, you know upholding the Constitution just like anyone else mm-hmm. in the military or police force um, or public office. They 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 have an oath to their position, and these people are giving up and sacrificing to be a part of this you know this branch right. of the military, and now. We're not paying them. We're not paying them. We're not paying them, and their families are going through Christmas and New Year's right. knowing that they're not having any money coming in. They're going to pop-up food pantries and garage sales. Is, you know, they're told right. to go. Government and like, workers. It's incredible. It's incredible. Government workers who are quite literally putting their lives on the line. Right. Right. And, and for us and our safety and protection, and we're not paying them. Right. And that's right. And it's ironic that it has a lot to do with immigration as well. The Coast Guard does a lot with yeah. illegal immigration um, from the from you know from the seas, and so it's I- ironic that to get this waste of a wall right. that's supposed to be about immigration and helping deal with illegal immigration and um, criminals coming into the country, essentially, which we don't want, obviously, but in order to get it. We're shutting down like airways, like traffic control. Are we talking about TSA, yes. the Coast Guard? All of these individuals encounter way more illegal immigration, right? Um, and especially and the kind that's bad. And they're not getting they're paid, and many of them yeah. aren't coming into and work. Distracted. How do you just and how do you convince the American people that this is the right thing to do? <laughs> right, and also, you know, we we this is another thing we've talked about less on this show, but. Uh, it's well known that many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. They're on the edge. We don't have a lot of uh, financial education in this country is a mandatory thing. And a lot of people just don't have the, you know, the finances to get ahead. Uh, the, many Americans couldn't put up, you know, a few thousand dollars for an emergency right. situation. And now those government workers are finding that, you know, this was the first, this past week was the first missed paycheck for government workers yeah. of the new year. And, uh, you know, 
people are dealing with uh, foreclosure situations. Foreclosure. They're dealing with having to pull their kids out of out of school if they go to. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about childcare. Right. Can you imagine if he was a federal employee that was on furlough? This is one of those emergencies that I'm right. talking about, but we this is this is one of them that's in control of our president, and yes. he is pushing this it's, and pushing this, and it's, it's not even just those emergency. people. My uh, my sister and her husband have five mm-hmm. children. They live in a very uh, a poorer part of the country in Arkansas, mm-hmm. um, and they rely on HUD and food stamps right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it's um, Amazing and also sad right now because of how this is affecting them, but they had started to build, they have started to build their way out of this. It can be very difficult, especially in those parts of the country, but they had an opportunity to purchase a business, a granite business from uh, someone that they know. Um, the government provides special loans for uh, families and individuals, in, in, especially in this situation, um, if they can prove that they've got a functional business that they'll provide them a so somewhat government-subsidized business loan, Um, but you have to qualify for it as well. You need to have good credit, but you don't have to have these massive down payments or demonstrate what you would regularly open. Um, So they qualify. They found out that they do qualify and that they're going to be getting it, but they're not going to be getting it until the government is reopened. And so that's put on hold until that happens. Also, their, uh, their HUD payments aren't going to be coming in if this continues to go any further. Their next payment for their household won't be going to the, and the way that works is the government pays the person that owns the house. And so then it'll come down to the person that owns the house to say, yeah, or nay, like you, you, you're not, sorry, the government's not paying your rent. Right. You have to go or let's, I can wait. It's all right, you know, and be kind, but it's up to them. Um, and food stamps are being reduced. And right. so, right. yeah, and this right. is direct, like this is all over the country, yeah. all over the country. It's happening to people, you know? Right. And these are, these are people who worked incredibly hard, I'm sure, to get to the point where they could uh, be in this situation. And now it's just being paused. Yeah. And a simple shift of this, it had them, the amount of change it right. brings into their life, permanent change. This isn't going to dissipate. And, and I mean, exactly what Nancy Pelosi said about how Trump thinks that he, these people can just ask their families or their parents for money, but they can't. They right. can't. So I don't care if you back pay them, which they're not even certain if they like he wasn't even committed to that. But even getting back pay, it doesn't matter if you go from mid-December to the end of January without getting money. It doesn't matter if they pay you what they owed you. Yeah, you're you're put in a position where you can't dig yourself out. And we're putting all of these individuals, government workers, everyone in this position and we're going to have to deal with that. Like right. there will be long-term effects of this government shutdown that we aren't even close to understanding yet. Right, right. And it's so close to us. You know, you and I don't work for the government, I believe. So we're still going to work and getting paid. But yeah. it could easily be different. You know, so many people work for the government. Yeah. It's I mean, so close to all of us, I think. I, it's uh, it's huge. I want to say there's there are 300 ish 300,000 approximately um military veterans right. that uh are on furlough or are not uh going into work these mm-hmm. federal employees i mean it's a huge percentage of federal employees are veterans anyway so we're not surprised by that right. but it's an incredible number of veterans who are who work for the government and aren't getting paid or aren't coming into work um and not getting paid the, and we're letting them down as well. You right. know, we're sitting here on These our hands. Are people who we owe as yeah. a nation. 
Exactly. Yeah. And so um, I'm, I'm really, I'm shocked. I, 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 again, like I said at the beginning, we're just, it keeps rolling out. It keeps coming out. Now Trump is saying that um, he, he, he's not committing to ending the shutdown if he gets money for the wall. Right. He wants this shutdown. It's like you said, it's a distraction from what's actually going on. Um, you know, next month we've got Michael Cohen going to testify to the mm-hmm. in the House of Representatives. They're, they've subpoenaed him before he goes to prison. Right. Um, now he can't talk about what's an ongoing, uh, what's still an ongoing investigation. So he's not going to be able to talk about um, very much of what he talked to, right. to Mueller about. Um, although he he has been um, the so the House committee that's the investigative committee and he have both been. Con, you know, con, conversing with the Mueller team, making sure that they're completely aware of what can and can't be discussed in these kinds of things. But it doesn't matter. There's a whole, there's tons of material on right. Trump that Cohen has to basically, you know, just tell us about how, what else, aside from the fact that he's an agent of Russia, mm-hmm. you know, he's he, like, he's cheating American people in all these different ways. And Cohen can talk about it openly now to a committee that's going to ask him as opposed to what we had before which was a committee that's like, you know, don't ask, don't tell. They didn't bring him in. They didn't want to talk to him. They didn't ask him tough questions. They didn't require him to tell the truth (laughs) because it was the GOP that was running it. But now it's the Democrats, and we do have the the tools and the power to get the truth now, and it's going to be an interesting revelation. It it certainly will. You know, I, I anticipate the next few months being very difficult. For all of us, some of us more than others, but yeah. all of us, and uh, it'll it'll certainly be interesting to see what happens. Um, so uh, I think we're we're going to go into uh, national news, uh, take a short break, um, hear some uh, music, and we'll be right back. Um, stay tuned. Now special dedication to all dogs of dogs, dedicated to all top dogs, liberty crew. Man called Tony Kelly, the man called Robert, and while Apache riding through. Curfew! Sometimes some back and some of them are rally back. We a road boy, you tell we not take back no chat. Sometimes some back and some of them are rally back. But we a road boy, you tell we not take back no chat. You full of big chat and can't defend that. If a jailhouse you come from, we sending you go back. You full of big chat and can't defend that. If a Bellevue you come from, we sending you go back. Cause with them they are when they get around hot. When we look in the food for the pot. Man of him 16 over him back. 45 and we have a rampart. When we move in, we move compact. Man, we take a couple store, couple bank and shop. And police man, a top out we at. Judge I know we have to run left this part. Dandayatid, dagats a data. When we come dance, all of a block. Me say some a rally back, and some of them dance a back. We a road boy, you tell we not left a block. And some a rally back, and some of them dance a back. Tony Kelly na the place, and the place of a block. With them there when Kingston run hard. When we look in the food for we pot. Kingston with there when my sub get shot. Kingston with there when copper get shot. Kingston with there when a bird get shot. Man a Kingston with there when a cow get shot. Sandak and when him lick down flat. Naughty Morgan lick down flat. Jungle man spangle a rim a man did hot. And the uptown man them did hot. And the Riverton man them run hot. Firehouse small road did hot. And the Pian land man them hot. 
I'm back bush man, them did utter. Warika ill man, them running utter. None of ill man, them did at me. Say some are rally back and some of them thanks so back. Them a road boy out way a bust off the clock. Some are rally back and some of them thanks so back. Me say some of them are friars and some of them are nuts. Full of pose and no big chatter. When you buck them, can't defend that. Running off them mouth non-stop. Bout them up up the 16 and glacker. And me shot him a cotton boxer. And the boy start run non-stop. Miss a cat on the mic and a chatter. And police come in a jeep backer. And them coming from Amman Baraksa. And them coming and coming non-stop. And the road boy, them firing shatter. Bussing the shot, them bust it non-stop. Make me Tell them death on the attacker. Miss a cat round the mic and a chat. Miss a summer rally back and some of them thanks about. We a road boy, you tell we not left a clap. Summer rally back and some of them thanks about. We a road boy, you tell not take no back chatter. Where them there when Kingston run out. When we look in the food for the potter. And guarding poor people and topper. When the politics flicks and dropper. When the bomber drop on our stopper. And every morning a dead man and spotter. And they youth them. School show shatter, make me tell you them bend down flatter. And school book man it deaf on them backer. Miss a cat in the ya and a chatter. When me chat dance all of a block, Miss a summer rally back and some of them thanks a back. We a road boy you tell we busting up the clock. Summer rally back and some of them thanks a back. We a road boy you we no take no back chat. Full of back chat and can't defend that. But if a jailhouse you come from, we sending you go back. Full of back chat and can't defend that. And if a Bellevue you come from, we sending you go back uh, where them there when Kingston run out when we lick in the six pants and glacker Warika Illman not take back charter Jungle man them not take back charter Garden man them not take back charter Rima man them not take back charter that was uh, Ghetto Red Hot by uh, Red Cat a uh, um, dance hall classic uh Throwback. Uh, so uh, now we're going to get into international news. Uh, but first, did you know that uh, you can listen to us uh, m- mobily? You don't have to listen just on your computer. You can listen on your iPad on your, uh, or your phone, Android and iPhone. We have a uh, Radio Free Brooklyn app that streams live all of our shows. Uh, and you can also listen to our archives uh, by going to podomatic.com or radiofreebrooklyn.org has our latest. Um, so let's hear a little bit about uh, international news. Um, true to his word during the campaign and early uh, presidency, Donald Trump is pulling the U.S. out of Syria, uh, although the specifics of that move still aren't clear, even as the process has already begun. Uh, We've removed some equipment from the country, and we may be temporarily increasing troops to protect those who are leaving. Mm -hmm. Uh, While Trump has said that the U.S. would be out in 30 days, that's not happening. Uh, And his national security advisor, John Bolton, said it could be months or years. (laughs) Uh, So um, when we think about a time frame for this, how likely is it that we're going to see real troops moving out in the next few months in my opinion based off of just reading the writing on the wall and especially with what i know about military tactical movements Mm -hmm. uh this is i'm not tactical means it's like strategic like long-term um plans this is it's not going to happen it isn't a thing trump spoke too soon everyone with the pentagon was like not 
supporting his statement from the very beginning. Um, as you pointed out, we aren't even reducing the numbers. They're removing some equipment, but let's be real, people. Like equipment in these kinds of uh, in these kinds of conflicts are constantly moving. Right. They're pulling things in and out and putting, bringing in new stuff and taking out old stuff and moving equipment because it, the equipment is assigned to the unit. Right. And so if a unit transitions out, then a new unit transitions in. They take their equipment with them. Uh, and so it's all just a bunch of bullshit. I'm sorry, but it's just not yeah. like we aren't months or even years. Right. So this is the this is the Secretary of Defense, right? right? So or this, Who should have the most information I on gear, this. But the, it's not something that you talk about either. The very right. When I saw that, that tweet that was talking about pulling us out of Syria, it's, it's like you don't discuss these kinds of things on the open air we spend billions of dollars every year just to protect our communications like the amount of money that we spend to protect our communications over the airways is you know absurd but we have to because we need to be able to communicate and make decisions about how we're going to move our troops where we're going to position our troops without enemy forces capturing that and knowing our moves. Right. So the president tweeting about pulling troops out of Syria is one of the, A, it's dangerous, mm-hmm. uh, B, it's it's completely lacking in any kind of strategy whatsoever. Right. Um, and it, it just demonstrates how ignorant he is, he is when it comes to commander-in-chief responsibilities. Right. Even right. the simplest ones, like don't tell people where your troops are. Right, you know? and his military leadership uh, expressed shock, and some resigned as a uh, as a result of that. Yes, Many. Um, and uh, you know, I remember when Obama was uh, first putting people in Syria at uh, earlier in the ISIS uh, crisis and the Syrian uh, war, um, and they said there would be no boots on the ground in Syria, even as we were getting reports of all these soldiers coming in, yeah. military personnel. Uh, so, so people were saying, well, that obviously means either they won't be wearing boots or they won't be touching the ground. Yeah, you know, it'll, <laughs> exactly, because like, their lives are there. Right, right. So, and I think it's a similar thing. You know, even if we're supposedly taking everyone out, I think we would probably still have a presence there. Absolutely, they've spent so much money on developing these posts and and, and developing our presence in these countries, right. and it's not just because of ISIS. This is there's there are all kinds of interests wrapped up in this conflict, um, and especially that of the the U.S. Right. Um, and so that's, there's a lot more involved than than just defeating ISIS um, in this in in why we're there as well. And to to make a hardline decision of okay, you know what? Never mind. We're not doing this anymore. Wouldn't it's not just about effective reduction in numbers it's not just about safety um it's uh it's wrapped that decision would have an effect on our relationship with so many nations mm-hmm. um because of how the, the there's just the process of us getting involved in all the different variables uh, when it comes to saudi arabia when it comes to russia right. when it comes to ukraine yeah. uh when it comes to um you know nations across the the middle east as well um and regardless of whether or not we think we have a good or bad relationship with these nations the last thing we want to do is continue to further harm any relationships that we have and this would only serve that purpose right right 
We yeah. want out. We, the American people want to reduce the numbers. Don't get me wrong. I'm, it's not some kind of excuse to stay. It's about doing it properly and safely. Right. Uh, next up, we have um, another caravan of migrants. As we're you know in the midst of this wall debate, as the migrants are uh, the the caravan, which is the second in recent uh, months, um, people heading up uh, to through Mexico to the United States from Central America. Um, There's another one headed here. Um, They're reportedly planning to head uh, northward, leaving Honduras next week, this coming week, uh, and beginning the journey through Mexico into the United States. As our own government shutdown carries on, Trump attempted to use this new caravan as further reason to rally his supporters behind a border wall. Um... So, you know, whenever I hear about another caravan, I don't think of it as, uh, you know, a, a current policy issue. It seems more like a human migration issue, yeah. you know, and something that we're going to have to, not just the U.S., but the international community yeah. is going to have to address. It is a crisis, too. Right. Actually, it's a human crisis. Marco Rubio, the senator from Florida, um, funnily enough, he tweeted about this caravan um, and... I, I still can't I, I can't figure this guy out right I I see him with some of the most uh, like ridiculous propaganda you know public mm-hmm. statements where I'm like what do you how can you say this and then also say this so right. sometimes I'm like will you shut your stupid mouth Marco Rubio <laughs> uh, but also sometimes I'm like wow how how are you aligning with the messaging of the Democrats right. because he's basically tweeted he was like there's another caravan uh, we found out there's another caravan um, c- coming together in Honduras that right it was in Honduras mm-hmm. yeah so and in Honduras and. Um, which makes it clear that this is very much so a crisis, but it is a humanitarian crisis that we need to address um, before it becomes chaotic and they arrive and we haven't worked out with the rest of, you know, the you know the international, um, you know, the UN or wherever they go with this to deal with global crisis. Right. We need to be linking up with these people. By the way, these relationships, which Trump has worked very hard to destroy, right. uh, we need those relationships now because we need to be working with these nations to figure out how to deal with this global humanitarian crisis. Um, and instead, Trump's solution is like, fuck it and fuck everyone else in the world and we're going to build a wall. Right. That's what's going to keep them from coming in here. It's y'all's problem. It's y'all's problem. And, um, and wasting money and shutting down the government for it when this is an issue. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be afraid. This isn't an invasion, which is so stupid that they continue to try and frame it that way because people aren't buying. It's not an invasion. Right. These are families. Right. Women and children. Yeah. LGBTQ, uh, yeah. you know, and, the, and, and individuals who are running away from oppression and violence in their nation, um, or whether it's economic oppression or, or some, um, legal or however. Right. But they're running from these things. They need asylum. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of nations that they can get it from, and one of them being the U.S., but we have to plan this with other nations, with other nations' leadership to to figure out how to deal with this humanitarian crisis. Right, and it's not a, it's not a problem that's new or that just popped up out of nowhere. Yeah, we knew know. it. Right, and it's, it's tied up in our own history, you know, our uh, history of colonization, history of imperial uh, power uh, throughout uh, – you know, the Americas, um, uh, the U.S. had a hand in a lot of uh, government and military policy in uh, Central and South America historically. 
and uh, the the un- instability that's happening now has something to do with us. Mm-hmm. So we need to we need to understand that because the problem isn't going away. You know, even if we build a wall, there will still be people coming to it. Yeah, and and also the 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 wall is going to make it more difficult for these individuals, these refugees mm-hmm. um, that are are seeking asylum, right. and make it easier for individuals who are coming in ports of entry um, with nefarious intentions. Right. Um, which, you know, again, we're like, it's, it's all about what you look like really is what it comes down to. This mm-hmm. is a racist issue of, we don't want these dirty Brown people in our country right. that they're, that's the message that they're selling. And, and they're allowing people to excuse their own racial bias mm-hmm. by and their own racism I want to start using that word more and not call it like racially charged or racial bias. Their own, they're able to excuse their own racism by saying, well, it's for our safety. These people are dangerous. Immigrants are this, 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 and this. Um, and they're ignoring the data. They're ignoring the, what we know, which is that there are dangerous people that immigrate to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, there is illegal immigration that right. harms our economy and, drugs, and there are drugs yeah. that are coming in. But guess where it's not happening? Mm-hmm. At the port of entry that we're trying to spend billions and billions of dollars on securing yes. further with physical barriers. It's not coming in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that information is out there. People should be able to know it. But instead, we've got a, a racist federal you know, we've got a racist White House administration, right. essentially, that is peddling a racist narrative that allows the racists in this nation to continue to excuse their racism. Right. <laughs> How many times can you say racist in one sentence? Right. <laughs> it's true. But that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. Uh, and um, we'll have to see we'll have to see what our government will do, because, you know, it's. As you said, it's not going away. It's going to get worse, and it's gonna—I think—it's gonna manifest in different forms. Um, this is the economic thing that we're facing um, across the world. One of the big reasons that these caravans are developing, because really everybody has problems, and when you destroy the economy, the ones that are at the lowest rung, um, they're left without options. Right. When you when you affect their money so much so that now they're like, we have to get out of here because not only are we facing oppression, but We've got to deal with this economic issue. Right. That's a global issue that the UN and the G7 and the G20 have been facing and trying to deal with for the last for for years now. Right. Um, and Trump getting in there and just kind of throwing a wrench in everything was a big reason why there was so much of a problem with him and and the G7 and Definitely. them not working together because yeah. we have a global economic crisis that we're not dealing with. Well, uh, we're all out of time this week for a discussion of crises, but we look forward to discussing next week's crisis with you. Uh, <laughs> we'll be there. Same time, same place, Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, and uh, next up is What is Love uh, with Sasha Sugar. We look forward to seeing you next week. Awesome. See you, everyone.